0: You are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m., Tuesday, November 22nd. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. The state's last remaining nuclear power plant, Diablo Canyon, operated by PG&E on the Central Coast, gets more than a billion dollars in federal funding to keep running for five more years. The California Report gives voice to the debate over its revival. After regional news and weather, Gary Zimmerman has a lesson on inflation indicators, and Mark Cuneberti is here with a Money Matters commentary.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The final tally is in, and after a nail-biting race, progressive city council member Sheng Tao will be the next mayor of Oakland. Tao managed to get 50.3% of the vote, while city council member Lauren Taylor garnered 49.7%. Tao won under the city's ranked choice voting system. That's where voters' second and third place votes are redistributed if no candidate receives a majority of first place votes. Tao represented District 4 in the Oakland Hills and in her victory statement described her past as a homeless single mom. Tao also said that on day one, she will start putting in place a public safety plan that involves, quote, doubling down on the violence prevention programs that we know reduce violent crime. If you opt out of getting health insurance in California, the state will fine you. The penalties it collects are intended to help other people struggling to pay for health insurance coverage. But so far, none of that money has been distributed. Reporter Stephanie O'Neill has more.
0: Since California's health insurance tax penalty took effect in 2020, the states collected hundreds of millions in fines from those who go without insurance. That money was intended to help low- and middle-income residents buy insurance through the state's covered California marketplace. But then came the pandemic, and with it, a boost in federal health insurance subsidies recently extended by the Federal Inflation Reduction Act. And because of that, Governor Gavin Newsom says there's no need yet to dip into penalty money, especially with state revenues projected to fall significantly. Instead, Newsom wants to wait until current federal subsidies end before considering tapping the state's penalty revenue. Some consumer advocates disagree with that approach. They say the state should help people now or risk more Californians opting out of health coverage or foregoing care altogether.
1: That's reporter Stephanie O'Neill with Kaiser Health News. The operator of California's last remaining nuclear plant, Diablo Canyon, is getting more than a billion dollars in federal conditional funding to keep it up and running for five more years. That as a way to help the state with its energy demands. From KCBX in San Luis Obispo, Benjamin Perper reports.
2: The announcement comes after the California Legislature voted in late August to give the plant's operator, Utility PG&E, a forgivable $1.4 billion loan to extend the plant's life until 2030. The federal government's new conditional $1 billion award, if approved, could cover most of that. Local supporters of the plant's continued operation, like Central Coast Congressman Salute Carbajal, celebrated Monday's news for helping keep the plant's carbon-free energy on the grid as the state faces an ongoing energy crisis. Local opponents of Diablo Canyon's operations say the new funding is another step in the wrong direction. Linda Seeley is with San Luis Obispo Mothers for Peace, an anti-nuclear group who has been vocal about their belief that the plant is not safe, reliable, or cost-effective. Seely said the award to PG&E is more evidence that local, state, and federal governments are willing to keep extending the plant's lifespan despite the fact that the extension is limited to five years.
0: This could turn into a 20-year extension on a nuclear power plant built on fault lines, millions of pounds of nuclear waste, and all of this deferred maintenance. We could be getting ourselves way deeper into this than the public has been led to believe.
2: PG&E maintains the plant is safe and reliable. Steve Nesbitt is with the American Nuclear Society, a pro-nuclear group, which has lobbied for Diablo Canyon's continued operation. On the safety question, Nesbitt says PG&E will only secure a new license for the plant if the Federal Nuclear Regulatory Commission determines it's safe enough to keep operating. Personally,
3: knowing what I know about the plant, I feel confident that will be the case. But I also know that the Nuclear Regulatory Commission isn't going to make such a finding unless... They have thoroughly evaluated continued operation and are convinced that it can be done safely.
2: Nesbitt praised the new Department of Energy funding, saying Diablo Canyon is essential to helping California keep its energy grid stable and achieve its ambitious decarbonization goals.
3: I think that Diablo Canyon is a key part of meeting those goals and having a secure grid, and and I expect people will see that when the time comes.
2: PG&E CEO Patty Poppy said in a press release Monday that though the money is conditional and the final amount could change, it's still a, quote, positive step forward to ensure electrical reliability for all Californians. Governor Newsom also praised the announcement, citing climate change and extreme weather as pressing reasons to keep the plant operating. He also said the investment can provide an on-ramp for more clean energy projects to come online. Diablo Canyon accounts for about 9% of the state's electricity portfolio, according to PG&E. And for the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Luis Obispo.
3: Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Stanford HealthCare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. California's
1: nursing agency has approved rules that would allow nurse practitioners to treat patients without physician supervision. This shift could expand access to health care in the state at a time when California faces dire shortages of healthcare care workers. CalMatters health reporter Ana Ibarra explains.
2: Starting next year, nurse practitioners who meet certain requirements will be allowed to begin treating patients without physician supervision. Many people may not know, but currently, nurse practitioners must enter into a written agreement with a physician who will oversee their work. This shift has been in the making for several years. The reason this is important is because California has a provider shortage, and less restrictions could mean clinics may be able to hire more nurse practitioners. There's also research that indicates nurse practitioners are increasingly choosing to work in rural and underserved areas. Of course, there are only so many of them. So researchers say another important piece is getting more nurse practitioners trained and in the workforce.
1: That's Cal Matters, Ana Ibata. You can find the full story at calmatters.org. And finally this morning, here in Los Angeles, we have a kind of Hollywood Hills murder case involving a celebrity. The National Park Service has confirmed that it was P-22, the famed mountain lion that's become a symbol of wild L.A., who killed a chihuahua that was walking on a leash with its owner earlier this month near the Hollywood Reservoir. Officials know it was P-22 because the mountain lion wears a cracking collar. The person who was walking the chihuahua was not hurt in the attack. Beth Pratt with the National Wildlife Federation tells the Los Angeles Times that it's unfortunate P-22 killed a pet, but as an opportunistic hunter, the mountain lion was just doing what mountain lions do to survive. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, November 22nd, We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk tomorrow.
0: In regional news, COVID-19 has transformed California's workplace culture in ways researchers say will echo well into the future. According to new data from the U.S. Census Bureau, working from home for at least part of the week has become the new normal for as many as one in five Californians. The data, reported in today's Sacramento Bee, shows high-income employees with college degrees are more likely to have access to this hybrid work model Lower-income employees, on the other hand, likely will continue to have on-site responsibilities and daily commutes. It's hard to work remotely if you're a barista or employed in a manufacturing plant. Multiple studies have found that COVID took its greatest toll among low-income workers, the farm workers, grocery clerks, and other service employees who continue to report to work in person. Researchers say the shift will ripple across the broader economy as more employees have the flexibility to live farther from their job sites. The U.S. Census Bureau interviewed roughly 260,000 Americans from June through October, including about 20,000 Californians, as part of a wide-ranging questionnaire. The survey found that nearly 20% of California adults lived in households in which at least one person had telecommuted or worked from home five days or more in the previous week. About 33% of California adults lived in households in which someone had worked from home at least one day the previous week. In 2019, before the pandemic, about 6.3% of employed Californians said they usually worked from home. The Census Bureau survey revealed disparities in the kinds of families that are adapting to hybrid work, mostly centered around income and race. Moving on to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality from purpleair.com, dry, mild, and breezy weather is expected through Thanksgiving Day. The pattern will change as the weekend ends, bringing cooler temperatures and a possibility of rain and mountain snow early next week. The forecast for this evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, partly cloudy with a low around 40. Today, the air quality index was measuring in the 30s, which is satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny with highs in the mid-60s and a low around 41. Thanksgiving Day will be about the same, but a tad warmer. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, this evening will be partly cloudy with a low around 22. The air quality index was averaging in the 20s today, which is considered satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny with highs in the mid-40s and a low of 19 and the same is expected for Thanksgiving Day. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland will be mostly clear with a low around 39. The air quality index was averaging around 100 today, meaning prolonged exposure may affect sensitive groups. Both Wednesday and Thanksgiving Day will be sunny with a high of 67 and a low of 38. You are listening to the evening news on KVMR. We hear the word inflation repeated every day in reference to the economy, but exactly how and where is this thing called inflation measured and how do economists track it? KVMR's Paul Emery gets some schooling from Gary Zimmerman on sorting out the various inflation indicators. The short answer is they're all too high for comfort at the moment.
4: This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb, wealth management advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada city at rickkelb.com. Let me start with a comment from, I guess, back in May by Fed chair Jay Powell. Um, what was he waiting for back in May
3: and has he found it yet? <laughs> Good question, Paul. Uh he made a comment that was reported in the New York Times that Powell says the Fed is watching for clear and convincing signs of inflation fading, and I think he, you know, may still be waiting. Um, you know, inflation is what economists describe as an overall increase in the price level over a period of time. It's often measured as a percent increase in the cost of a basket of goods and services, say over the past, you know, twelve months. The past year, um, and it may be slowing down a little bit. But um, you know, there's a there's a big debate among policymakers. With some policymakers, might call them the hawks, worried about a slow response to inflation uh, as a result of Fed policies. It takes a long time for interest higher interest rates to work their way through the economy and uh, work their way on down to lower inflation. Um, and then there are the others on the Fed policymaker group that, you know, maybe the doves that are worried that uh, maybe the economy is would be slowing down too fast um, and maybe too much and that that could cause a, a recession before, before we even get to the uh, lower inflation. So essentially the Fed has taken its foot off of the gas pedal.
4: So it's not necessarily fulfilling the optimism that was hoped for.
3: I, I, yeah, I think there's less. There's concern that you know, you know, and Chairman Powell has talked about um, you know, there's probably going to be some pain here. Um, and yeah, I think that there's a lot of worry now that the Fed has taken a. Taking his, I guess the analogy would be taking his foot off of the gas pedal, you know, and that was you know, zero interest rates and it's hitting the brakes. And that's, you know, interest rates at four plus percent um, and possibly going higher. Um, and he's watching the speedometer. And, you know, there are many inflation rates you could look at to see if they're all or some of them are slowing down in the way we'd hope. Um, but, you know, that's not you know, happening yet um, in, a, in a big way.
4: Well, there's lots of different measures of inflation that are reported and that economists use. Uh, Does the Fed have a specific inflation measure it targets when it sets its inflation goals?
3: Oh, indeed, Paul, there are a number of inflation indexes that are calculated and reported by the government. Um, Inflation indexes that the Federal Reserve uses to set its inflation goal is the Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index or the PCE Price Index. You know, and there are other ones that are, you know, very commonly used like the Consumer Price Index or CPI, GDP deflator, uh, producer price index, Um, you know, and it's important to look at all of these different you know index going on they're all calculated in different ways, uh, but they tend to move together over time, and they do a fair job of measuring inflation over a longer period like a year. so you know the more the merrier
4: what does the Fed target? Is it total inflation or core inflation rates, and how far above two percent are both of these inflation measures?
3: The Fed targets the Total inflation measure rather than the core measure, which is the measure that subtracts out the food and energy components, the volatile food and energy components. Um, so it's the total inflation measure that the Fed sets its 2% goal for. And over the past, you know, 12 months ending in September, uh, the total. Uh, index the Fed targets was rose six point two percent for all items, while the the core index that excludes the food and energy components rose uh slightly lower five point two excuse me what five point one percent increase. You know, but again, both of those are well above the Fed's two percent inflation goals.
4: Okay, Gary, that's it for today. And we'll talk in a couple of weeks, and we'll probably start off saying, well, we're past the Thanksgiving holiday,
3: heading up for Christmas. And we'll start there (laughs) in in two weeks. Christmas holiday buying season is a very important part of the economy.
4: There you go, very
3: important seasonal effect. Thank you, Gary. You're welcome. Thank you, Paul.
4: Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Federal Reserve and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance.
0: As we cruise toward the end of the year and into the holiday buying frenzy, Mark Cuneberti is suspicious of news reports that seem to be trying to convince us that the trajectory of household expenses, however it's measured, is on the way down. At best, it's a very mixed picture, Mark says in his latest Money Matters commentary.
5: Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Kunaverti. Last week saw glimmers of green hope as some stocks continued higher into the month. Midweek, however, gave into some more selling as companies everywhere were revising estimates and reporting less than expected earnings for a variety of reasons. Target reported close to half a billion dollars was lost due to what it called retail organized crime. No doubt, new and puzzling legislation in a variety of states taking a softer stance on theft may be to blame. Watching. People running out of stores with armfuls of free stuff during protests in the last few years probably didn't help, both in earnings nor by discouraging others not to try it. So goes our world right now. May we live in interesting times, right? Well, unfortunately, I wouldn't deem all things that are happening right now with the word interesting, but rather perhaps the word unfortunate would be more appropriate. Another unfortunate event is the ongoing inflation we are all suffering through. A handful of statistics last week signaled a decrease in the velocity of inflation and in the nominal rate of inflation, which goosed some investors to buy some more stocks. I am of the opinion we are far from out of the woods, however. In fact, with the ongoing parade of company earnings reports stating rising costs as a major concern, inflation continues to devour corporate balance sheets. The talking heads on the popular news, wires are putting on their happy faces, trying to squeeze out any little bit of good news from the otherwise dismal inflation data, which continues to hammer the markets. It's quite stunning, really, how far some stocks have fallen, including some of the most prevalent Previous market darlings, some of which are the most well known names in the market. Meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average itself slowly creeps off its year lows. Amazingly, at the time I wrote this newscast, which is a few days before you're listening to it, the Dow is only down 9% from an all-time high. Makes you wonder, right? Damn, I should have just bought the Dow. Reverberations from the bankruptcy of Crypto Exchange FDX seems a bit muted to me. It's my guess a bunch of folks are hiding a bunch of bad Bad stuff from the FTX implosion, which will surface eventually. I would bet there will be some surprising landmines that will explode in the weeks to come due to the domino effect of the FTX blow up. A firm as large and as essential to crypto as FTX was doesn't implode and not put at risk many more entities that had dealings with him. The feds may be already involved in clandestine bailout talks. Only time will tell, of course. No doubt a parade of sad stories from people who lost it all will float across the news wires as we progress along here. One wonders if everyone knows what caveat emptor means. For those of you that don't, it means buyer beware. And you would have heard that phrase many times here on Money Matters in the past few years when it comes to crypto. An interesting side note is although the markets have seen the worst year in decades, as to the late and breadth of the decline. Certain sectors, however, have fared better than others. Energy, healthcare, and pharmaceuticals may show some yearly green, as well as a few stocks in the surprisingly retail sector, but not very many there. Energy and related industries far exceeded everything else, however. The Federal Reserve has raised interest rates four times in 2022, and they are expected to do it again at their next meeting coming up in December. After that, it's a crapshoot as to what to expect. Always their decisions will be data-dependent, of course. For now, the financial world looks to the holiday season as an indication is how the consumer is doing with inflation boosting prices on just about everything. No doubt the purchasing figure totals will be up year over year again and the talking heads will look to spin that up to the consumer is doing just fine. I don't know, are you doing just fine? The most accurate figure on holiday spending, however, would be the number of total units sold instead of how much money in total dollars were spent. After all, higher inflation, no doubt, makes total spending higher, and the higher inflation we have been seeing lately will likely boost the overall total spending by a lot. However, the truth will be that a lot fewer gifts will be bought due to the high price of each gift, and the evening news will lean toward how much money is spent versus how many gifts are actually bought. That does it for today's Money Matters. The views and opinions expressed are my opinions only and do not necessarily represent those of this radio station its staff members or underwriters. I hold a B.A. in economics, 1979 from San Diego State University, and I'm a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com, where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Ginnaburri.
0: That's our newscast for Tuesday, November 22nd. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Bowles Brothers Automotive, serving the community since 1982. Located at 962 Golden Gate Terrace in Grass Valley. Same workmanship, customer service, and community involvement. Online at BowlesBrothers.com. And MEC Builds. Nevada County Roofing Contractor with over 20 years of experience. Providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley. MECBuilds.com The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weeknight at 6. If you missed any of our newscasts or interviews, you can listen at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Please join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.